Welcome to Talos Takes, the security podcast for everyone from the C-suite to the front lines. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Talos Takes. I am joined once again by Joe Marshall. Thanks for coming on, Joe, and excited to hear some more of your hot takes. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Thanks <laughs> for having me, my brother. Today we're going to be talking about the current situation in Ukraine. And I would like to first start out by just saying we're recording this on Wednesday, February 9th, pretty much around noon Eastern time, because this is a very fluid situation that is constantly changing almost. So whatever, I'm hoping to post this Friday morning, obviously, but who knows what can change between now and then. So kind of just wanted to get the timestamp out there for folks. Starters, uh, we wanna, we're going to be talking specifically about the implications for industrial control systems. Uh, and infrastructure cybersecurity in this particular case. If you want to read uh, our most recent insight on specific cyber attacks that have occurred in Ukraine, you can head to the Talos blog. But for starters, Joe, let's talk about how cyber warfare can have more, has way more to do than just human soldiers and tanks. So when we're looking at potential military conflict in this region, it could likely also involve cyber attacks targeted at critical infrastructure and ICS. So what would that look like in practice for those involved potentially? You have uh, many years of experience in this space. What could it pretend, like what is like a worst case scenario if cyber war were to break out in the region? So, so cyber war is, is a kind of a tricky phrase to think about, I guess. Um, low level intensity is, is probably the better way to think of it. And if that's even an oxymoron, I'm not quite sure. You know, Ukraine's the only place in the world that we know of where the power has been messed with twice. Once in the, the eastern portion of the country, and then, of course, uh, the substation outside of Kiev. And they were able to affect restoration, I mean, relatively fast. Their grid resiliency has gotten a lot better. They had a very sort of old grid, and they've been able to invest money into modernizing it. But it's important to think about critical infrastructure as a means of applying foreign policy from an adversarial perspective. In the first Iraq war, 1992-ish, you know, we had, we, America, had these special bombs that would drop carbon fiber filaments and they would drape across power lines and uh, they would create a short and, of course, your A, B, and C phase would touch and that would be bad and you would have, you know, equipment damage that would disrupt power. And that was somewhat destructive, not as much as bombing it and blowing something up, obviously. Um, but that also involved flying a jet or a missile into someone's sovereign airspace and doing a doing a quasi-kinetic attack, right? We've pretty much traveled past that. You know, if I can achieve roughly the same effect with a a cyber intrusion of some kind, I, I really don't need to do anything that inflammatory anymore. Sort of achieve my desired effect as a goal of maybe foreign policy, where I'm inflicting my will upon a victim country for my own means and ends. Uh, in the case of sort of this this Russian-Ukraine standoff we're seeing right now, I've been very fortunate to have gone to Ukraine a couple of times to work on power grid security. I feel pretty good about their ability to respond because the best way to, to practice is to get kicked in the teeth. And they've endured more than the average, I think, critical infrastructure defenders have endured in many countries. Um, but we've already kind of seen some of the effects. We saw a, a sort of wiper defacement attack that happened and targeted government machines. And I think they would maybe, if they were so desired not to really damage critical infrastructure, do perhaps small targeted ways of disrupting power, a substation here maybe, like they did in 2016 or something along those lines, in an event to just create either chaos, political unrest, or population unrest, or 
for some long-reaching military objective they may already have. We can definitively say, I think, that uh, they have prepositioned themselves you know, over a number of years to do those kinds of attacks. And God forbid any of them happen. Uh, we we want to see this in very peacefully in Ukraine. But that would fit the modus operandi of sort of these, you know, a Russian method. We saw in the United States when we attributed the, the template APT attacks that were on our Talos blog. I was part of that. So we know that's something that they do. And we're just going to have to wait and see. And hopefully it never comes to fruition. But we also need to kind of talk about potential ramifications for the U.S. Because CISA and I, or at least I believe it was CISA, probably Homeland Security by proxy too, have sent out warnings at this point saying that if there is to be a conflict in that region, the U.S. is likely going to oppose that and denounce any sort of conflict in the area, which might lead to follow-on cyber attacks from Russia because they're displeased with us pushing back against them. So what are some some considerations we should also be thinking about here in the U.S. as it relates to ICS and the power grid? Yeah, the good news is that our power grid is very well engineered, very robust, designed by incredibly smart engineers, protected by linemen and linewomen who are out there ready to give service restoration at a moment's notice. You know, we, we've weathered a lot of natural disasters in the United States, and so we're pretty good at restoration. And I feel very confident in the security of our grid in the sense of that, you know, massive Pittsburgh's not going to lose power. Washington, D.C. is not going to lose power and knock on wood. What I think you might see, and I think what CISA was trying to uh, state is that we, uh, frankly, not everyone bats a thousand and your least capable defenders who also maintain, you know, electric reliability, think small electric or water or oil and gas cooperatives in the Midwest who traditionally just don't have a strong budget for security because they might have 30 to 50,000 member owners. And they have one person who is their IT and their security person. And they're incredibly smart people, but you know, it's just a resourcing issue. They may suddenly find themselves a, a pawn to a means to send a signal or maybe to cause just political or population disruption and unrest. You know, don't look at the man behind the curtain, makes the news cycle, social media blows up. Hey, did we just get attacked? Uh, Matt only had an amazing Twitter thread on this. It's not going to be an overt act of war. It's going to be along the lines of all the prepositioning that we think our adversary has done may come to fruition in the sense that it can pull the wind out of the sails of the political will of the United States. Um, and sometimes it's just to send the message of, hey, you're not as secure as you think you are. Whatever it is, I think it's not going to be in a sense of it's going to jump from United States launching a kinetic war against, say, another nation state. I don't think anybody wants that. Matt made a great point, and I, I, I love it, and I'm going to preach it to anyone I, I see. You know, there's a there's a fatigue of response in critical infrastructure that, yes, we know nation states are coming after us. We've been told this ad nauseum and, you know, we've invested dollars and in people into protecting our critical infrastructure. But sometimes you in, well, you invest in security and people to protect for future events. And sometimes the future is now. Like you said, there's plenty of folks who have been trained for this, who are prepared for this. Is there any other steps that ICS defenders should be doing to prepare for a worst case scenario? Obviously, it's impossible to prepare for any sort of cyber warfare because this is the first time that we've even gotten this close to something like this. Yes and no. I think, again, maintaining strong situational awareness. 
you know, you don't have to be an expert in geopolitics to know, oh gosh, I need to go tighten up and get ready for the worst. They're already doing that and they're already executing on that right. uh, thing, you know, from that perspective. It, it's just realizing that you, no matter where you are in critical infrastructure, so if you're power, water, oil, and gas, you are, there is no victim too big or too small that a nation state would use to achieve its objective. And that, uh, you know, the predation of these, of these adversaries really doesn't have a limit per se. Uh, always think about your security fundamentals, asset uh, inventory management, strong visibility into your OT networks, all the important things that go, you know what, if something like this were to happen, God forbid, how would we know we could respond to it? It can be every chance of adversity that we see in critical infrastructure is an opportunity to look at yourself and go, uh, what we can do, what can we do to be better? What can we do to improve? How can we think about improving our fundamentals? Uh, not in emergency mode, but to go, you know what, if this did happen, how would I respond? How would I know if I'm being attacked? Yeah, I mean, that goes for pretty much like any time, obviously. That has nothing to do with what's in the world news headlines. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, you don't want to wait for the worst case scenario to actually happen where you go, man, we should have invested time, dollars, and well, human capital into fixing this issue. It could be, you know what, this, this could be a real thing. Are we prepared for something like this? All right, awesome. Well, thanks as always, Joe, for your time and expertise on the matter. Hopefully we won't have to, you know, hopefully this gets re resolved peacefully, as we said, and we won't have to talk about this for too, too much longer. But also, as we said, uh, a lot of the things that we talked about in this episode can be applied at any time. And like you said, you don't want to be just thinking about this then when it's too late at that point. You should be considering these things basically any day of the week as, as a security practitioner. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's just a great way to think about it. And but my 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 it is, you know, we have friends in Ukraine. I have friends over there. I want nothing but peace for those folks. So my fingers and toes are crossed that this all just de-escalates and everyone walks away safe. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thanks for your time, Joe. I appreciate it. Yep. Thanks, bud.